Munchkins and Maine Coons. Check to see if anything has magically appeared in your dish in the last five minutes. Make your bed on a suit jacket which contrasts vividly with your fur. And I would like to go out, please. I would like to go out, please. I would like to go out, please. Please let me out. Please let me out. I no longer wish to go out. Oh, it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back. I am Omen Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A sunny nap on the windowsill of Prog Rock in which nice kitty Nick and Ocelot Omen will hunt down, play with, and eventually leave disemboweled in your shoe every single track that pedigreed rock band Jethro Tull has ever produced. We will give Martin Balinese Bar tender scritches under his precious chin. We will tie a special feather onto a stick for the amusement of Pixie Bob Peter John Batiste. And we will go back out into the rain to buy the correct flavor of crunchy snacks for Jerry Chartreuse Conway. We will even boop David Pegg on his little nose. And if we are very lucky and patient, we will perhaps catch a glimpse of the fabled Scottish long hair peeking out from underneath the bed. Yes, the feline flautist, the Bengal bard, the scratch post serenader, the whiskered whisperer, Ian Abyssinian Anderson. You know, Ian Anderson used to be a feral long hair, but now he's a domestic short hair. I don't know. There's still he's still got the 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 heart of a feral long hair in there. Yes, yeah. of a of a pygmy lion tiger. Really wizened old big cat. Yeah. Meow meow omen. Meow meow indeed. Nick, welcome to a very special talk tall to me because we have the pleasure of getting into the bonus tracks. That's right. We are on bonus track number one off of the broadsword and the beast. They said the bonus tracks weren't for us. They bought us a, a whole album. And we said, no, no, we want the bonus tracks that came in the packaging in the bottom of the album, along with the styrofoam peanuts. I'm just going to sit in this box of bonus tracks. I don't care that you paid $30 for that toy. I'm sitting in this box. Yeah, Exactly. Excited. Well, you know, before anything else, shall we just jump right into it? Let's do it. I think we've we've hemmed and hawed enough already. Let's listen to the first bonus track off of Broadsword and the Beast, which is Omen. Jacqueline. I will twimst my ears round to be able to hear better. <laughs> Here we go. I put my whiskers on both sides of the mic. Nick Omen. That is Jack Alin. Do you recall the first time you heard this song? Because I was there. I played it for you, and I have a I have a vivid memory of this song. 
Uh, what an unusual situation. I know. It, and it was an unusual situation. Because because of all that soft goat cheese that we were sitting in. It's, I mean, that was the normal part. We just that don't was listen the least to, unusual part We don't listen situation. to Tull when we sit in the goat cheese. That's the weird part. I, I don't remember the first time that I heard this song. I, I remember hearing this song and I remember having a fondness for this song. But, but tell me more. I'm intrigued. Tell me this story of my own life. You had come up to visit me you were in the city i believe and i was in connecticut the city of new york the city of new york i was working at consumer reports mm-hmm. and i picked you up at the train station and we were in crazy heavy traffic on the sawmill parkway just to get home yep i i played this i played this album and i remember specifically playing this song for you being like i can't believe you've heard this and I, I didn't tell you about the twist in the middle, like the turn, the electric turn, but I know I watched rapidly with yes, excitement no doubt. to see your reaction. I think that was also the time where, where you actually got out of the car to pee in the weeds be, and, and you were able to do so because the traffic was so bad. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. That sounds like me. Yeah. But that's, that is, so that was, God, 10, at, not 10 years. Well, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. It's been a while. Well, so and what was my reaction to it? You you seemed to enjoy it <laughs> percussively. <laughs> oh, good. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I if I still percuss upon it, but we will we will see. Okay, right, right. I freaking love this song, if I'm honest. It's so good. It's so it's so good. I I I adore this song. Let's talk musically. I am excited to get into some of the specifics. And the the central mystery of this song, mm-hmm. but let's talk musically. Sure. What is the first sound that graces our perked up ears? It's that plinky, really light kind of haunt, haunting piano synth thing that yeah. PJV's got going on. Yeah, almost like a um, you left a piano and a marimba in a dark room with a lot of, with a lot of uh, romantic lighting, and that's the setting that that was caused. Yeah, you 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 hear that and giggling coming out of the room. Pianic, <laughs> Pian- pianic giggling, pianic giggling. Yeah, no, I I uh, I love that intro. It really for me takes me immediately to that like eighties fantasy. It reminds me a lot. I'm finding that there are a lot of things that this song makes me think of this opening makes me think of the labyrinth oh okay yeah the great david bowie film you know i do have to say missed opportunity to have not cast Ian Anderson in the role of the Goblin King. As, yeah, I it would have gone very differently. It would have gone so differently. The the intro to be speaking of speaking of reminding you of things. The this this little plinky intro really makes me think of the intro to Flying Colors. It's not yes. identical. Mm-hmm. No. But it's there. I'm going to I'm going to play a little snippet of each of them. So this is Jacqueline, obviously. So it's it's obviously like a lot slower 
and haunting and kind of lamenting, but it's it still has that same feel, right? So there's something that that connects them actually be, beyond what you described, which I which I also think is very apt. They are both in three four time. Oh, three four time, really just a piano playing. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know that all of Flying Colors is in 3-4. I don't think it is, but that intro no, I think it picks up. is either either definitely is in 3-4 or it's swung in such a way that the triplets make it feel like it's 3-4. Okay. Jacqueline is decisively in 3-4. Okay. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, Game of Thrones. I was going to say. <laughs> Did not sound like Jacqueline to me. <laughs> One of the one of the things that my mind does, of the many things that my mind does, one of the things is to put together Jacqueline and Jack Frost and the Hooded Crow. Ooh, I like it. So often when I think of Jack Jacqueline and the Hooded Crow, <laughs> yes, yeah, I I'm I'm not I'm not going to uh, to do it. Please don't. Someone will. Someone will. It's too late. Yeah. It's done. It's done. Someone did it already. So we've talked about the synth intro to this song. We also have the acoustic guitar coming in in just such gorgeous shades of loveliness. Boy, did I miss the acoustic. Boy, did I miss Ian's acoustic guitar. It has been a, there's been an acoustic shaped hole in my soul. Oh my. And when's the last time we heard acoustic? I mean, we haven't really heard it on this album. I'm sure it's in there at least once, but I can't, I can't think. I'm going to look at the, the list right now. It hasn't been as prevalent with Broadsword and the Beast. No. And I think that the whole tone of Broadsword and the Beast has tended more toward that. I mean, we're entering into, we're sort of passing through the the synth fields. We're tripping through the synth fields of yeah. poppies. Tripping the synth fantastic. Yeah, we are. And we're making our way toward the heavy rock era. Mm-hmm. So already some of that is already starting to, you know, filter in. And so we haven't had one of these really sweet, delicate sounds in, in a little while. Just the acoustic guitar is nice. It really is. And... Everything, despite it being fairly synth prominent, synth forward, everything in this first half just just sweeps and builds and works so well together. And it's there's not much. So there's acoustic, stand-up bass, and synth mm-hmm. going on for that first, like, two-thirds. It could be that there's a little percussion, but it's very, very light if it is there. Yeah, right, right. Of course, we have Peter John Batiste, who is very malleable with the different types of keyboards that he's playing i think Mm -hmm. there are more than one being featured at the same time yes i think you know nick i was just listening to our episode on on broadsword the actual song broadsword Mm -hmm. and you were sort of remarking that it's a simpler sound in a way you know even though we have these kind of details and layers the musical composition isn't as complex as we've heard Mm -hmm. this song brings back more of that complexity i think that's one of the reasons 
why J Mancillo has been such a vocal proponent of the bonus tracks off of this album and everything else has been mm. kind of lackluster because it's 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 the facade of Jethro Tull and that like faux mythic medieval but it's not like it's missing something but we get that back when we get into these bonus tracks it's our tax cheap day return tax day return it's our tax day return it's our what do you call that the cheap it, it, you i know you're not referencing cheap day return but it sounded like you were trying to reference cheap day return our tax it's our re- tax tax return return yeah <laughs> not it's our, ta- it's not our tax cheap day tax day return <laughs> hopefully not no so that all of that leads up really nicely for about two and a half minutes and then then we get into this this little bridge. Oh yes. It's a really nice misdirection. It makes you think like it's going to continue with this suite. Yes. And it's gonna continue with this this flowing, nice, soft, appreciative sound. And we do bring in the the electric guitar there. Well, that's where is that in the bridge or that's not until the, the break, right? No, it comes in it comes in. get the acoustic guitar kind of picking up in that bridge section mm-hmm. this section reminds me very much of mark knopfler's score mm. of the princess bride oh interesting it's that same flavor of the synth the soft guitar you know a lot of those sweet sweeping feelings Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to find that. I've never watched it l- listening for the music, and I've I've only ever seen it like once or twice. So um, I'll, I'll I'll find that. But then then after that at that pretty much on the nose three minutes, Martin steps out of the shadows, just just a single spotlight blazing down on him as as he shreds faces in the first like five rows. PJV ups the synths. They go. They go ham. Jerry's drums really come out. Peggy's bass comes up too. I think it. I think he swaps over to an electric bass to to really become prominent and and work with these the rest of the instruments going as well. It's an amazing shift, and I love that you called it a misdirection because that totally is what it is. It lull, the song lulls you into this false sense of you know just wanting to drift away. It's almost like it is. You know, it does kind of remind me of some of that really acoustic stuff from the Aqualung album where it's just like, oh, yes, mm. diddle my strings, like, please. <laughs> and and that, you know, that's the whole song. But it it shocks you. Yeah. It brings this this feeling of, like, being woken up almost. You know, in in some forms of Zen meditation, in the very formal settings, when you when you go to the Zendo, you know, there's all the different parts of ritual to start the whole thing out. They they bang on a big piece of wood and then there's bells and incense and all that. But one feature that I find really fascinating is that during the long meditation sittings, there is one monk whose special job is to take a stick and go around and whack people on the back with it. 
And the whole idea behind that is that it it's easy to sort of get like to get sleepy in your meditation. Sure. And the whole point of meditation is to be fully awake to the reality of existence. Yeah. The ultimate level of presence. Exactly. And so the one time I experienced that, I found it very, I was like hitting people with sticks. I don't know, but they don't do it that hard. And they do it in a special way that, you know, isn't going to injure you. But I find it really useful. And and whenever I'm meditating and something happens in the environment, I'm like, oh yes, I, ha- I am awake. Yes, I am present in this moment. And I feel like this is, this has that function within the, that, this song. You kind of get mm. lulled into this sense of like flowy sentimentality. And then in, boom, you're like, oh yes, the reality of these feelings right now. It's it's really powerful. It really is. It's a potent change. It's practically on a dime. I can't think of another Tull song that switches that quickly. We have we have a lot of dichotomy in in Tull songs. We've sure seen we it do. plenty of times, but this quick of a flip, I I couldn't think of one. You know, it's almost something that is more present in classical music, and that's something that I wanted to point mm. out about this song is that we compared to something like broadsword this has a lot more composition within it sure the way that the synth and the guitar and the bass all kind of play these lines of counterpoint melody all in this beautiful three four time Mm -hmm. really kind of weave this gorgeous well composed thing yeah it works really well and it's a nice it's a nice return to sound from based on what we've been hearing the last what, 10, 10 tracks? And I quite like the last 10 tracks. I love the broadsword proper sound. I don't feel a lack of something there for me. But I do love this. I do love this song. It's so cool. Yeah. There's some interesting rhythm stuff going on as well, especially in that later half. Mm, okay. You know, I was reading this somewhere, and I don't recall where, unfortunately, but somebody was pointing out that at a time when a lot of rock bands were either trying to imitate the American style or the like successful British style, like Led Zeppelin or something like that. You're talking about like right now, like in the eighties and the early eighties. Okay. Singers that Ian found his own cadence for singing. And that's something Mm. that we've remarked on before that the way that he scans things like, yeah, when you look at it on a page, it doesn't necessarily track like, oh, yeah, I would sing it like this, the way that he ends up singing it. Yeah, there is a definitive difference between like Steven Tyler or, say, Robert Plant, you know, where there's there's more of a not that Ian's not melodious, but there is I don't know. He hits beats more. It's less fluid at times and not where you to expect it. You know, I've read that people have analyzed Frank Sinatra and the reason that we mm. love listening to Frank Sinatra is because he puts emphasis places that you wouldn't expect. He kind of plays with the with the music in such a way that you're you're always not sure what he's going to do next. And it's so it's so unique especially back then when they when people sang those multiple people sang those songs regularly, you know, you had right. to you you had to make it yours. And I am in no way comparing Ian singing to Frank Sinatra singing. Except in that he plays with the rhythm of it in, in, in mm-hmm. unexpected ways. It's like a tone poem. It's like a spoken word thing, almost. It's like a bone poem. A bone poem. That note about Frank Sinatra reminds me, I heard somewhere that 
that Chris Walken will take his his script. Uh huh. Yes, I've heard this. And erase all of the punctuation. Yep. So that's why you get those like herky jerky halting kind of run on sentences with him. Guess what? I got a fever, and the only prescription. It's more cowbell. He doesn't want to be influenced by someone else's perspective on where a comma should go. He is the Martin Barr of acting. <laughs> <laughs> that may be more accurate than than it sounds. Especially because I think they're both like really sweet from what I've heard. I thought you were going to say really old. Also that, yeah. Nick, I am exhausted. Should we take a quick break? Let's take a little 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 tea break. We're about halfway there, right? Okay, Omen, I have got my toes dipped in a little peppermint tea here. It's tingly. It's nice. It's invigorating. I am drinking a quarter swallow of some espresso that I made about 10 hours ago. Nice. Very nice. It's it's aged. It's aged. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So while, while we ingest these things and consume in various places... Let's uh, let's dive into an email here. We've got ourselves. I love that idea. We had a review from Eldest Potier a couple of weeks ago. Okay, but now we're going to get into their email. Um, it's a it's a chunky one, so I'm breaking it up into a. The first half is an appreciation. The second half is a jumpstart. Second half we will do next week. During uh, during our halfway there break, but right now two parter two parter from Eldis Potier here. It says it is entitled "Thanks and Jump Starts." We're going to start with dear feckless Momes. Before I get into my jump start, I must thank you. Hmm. You you Momes have saved my life. I'll explain. I'm a huge Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson fan. I discovered your podcast last summer, I think in a comment on the A New Day Facebook page, which was probably Jeff. I think he's prolific. If it's it's not, it's one of the Jeffs, actually, now that I think about it. Probably. Whoever wrote on there, thank you. Continuing, being a history teacher and a completist, I decided to listen to your podcast from the beginning before listening to current shows. I thought your early shows were, to borrow a phrase, flawed gems dusted down. (laughs) Not perfect, but compelling. I found myself listening to nothing else. All of my other podcast subscriptions were on hold while I immersed myself in Momish Tuliana. This was a double-edged sword. I loved all of the Tullish insights, perceptive and ignorant alike, and had some laughs, but every episode made me want to rip my own head off. (laughs) What caused such an effect? Every episode featured a bit... If this song were a luncheon meat or other equally <laughs> mundane product, which would it be? Every episode. Every episode. <laughs> Sometime around the end of stand-up, beginning of benefit, I was starting to lose the will to live. <laughs> which wasn't far into the run. That was only a, about 20 episodes. Could I make it through 300 episodes like this? And then, miraculously, it stopped. The clouds parted and episodes began to stream down sans the horrendous analogy game. I suppose some FCC directive was handed down, or perhaps Apple put a stop to it, but I like to credit you, Momes. The quality of the podcast improved in other ways that led me to believe you're not so feckless nor momish as you make out. 
So thank you, thank you, thank you for removing that source of soul-crushing despair from my life. Whew. Well, Eldest Potier, thank you so much for writing into us. I can't wait for your jump start. Obviously, we'll have to wait till next week. And this reminds me of another writer inner who's who I forget who it was, but who had a similar feeling about our tune in for our next episode. Yes. Tune into our other podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you can't please everyone. <laughs> and in fact, you can't please anyone. Yeah, so we just we just aim to please ourselves and and if we get that, then I think we're we're pretty good. But I'm so glad that you've been enjoying the podcast. I'm so glad that you have been going on this journey with us. And you know, it is a it is a journey of discovery for ourselves. We are trying to figure out how to improve it every, maybe not every episode, but we're trying to figure out how to improve it steadily throughout the the long run. And, and it's great to have your ears. Yeah, we appreciate you as a listener, as a reviewer and a writer inner, as we appreciate everyone else. And for the record, we we never made the conscious decision to stop doing those. We do them occasionally still, but I think we, we kind of got into the flow of things and, and, uh, and we evolved and we appreciate your tagging along for the journey. We're like crows. We find something shiny and we play with it for a while and then we find something else that's shiny and play with that for a while. That's it. We got bored with it and, and, and we moved on. Speaking of moving on, Kakonic, I see something shiny. Quark. Over there. Let's do it. I think it's the second part of the episode. God, these crows. It was not shoot to maim. You were just scaring them away. It's loaded with cotton candy. (laughs) Delicious and horrifying. Terrifying and tasty. Nick, welcome to the second part of our podcast. This is the part where we'd like to talk about the lyrics and even possibly the meaning of the song. So I'm assuming by the feline-laden intro that you are leaning heavily into the cat aspect of this. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to the music of Ian Anderson, one can never truly be sure. And I think that I texted you earlier today and I said, fundamentally, do we think this song is about a woman or about a cat? And does it matter? And what's the difference? I've been trying to figure out the difference between women and cats for years. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think if you can get around the shedding, the, sh- the I was going to say the innuendo, oh. then you're you're safe to assume it's it's cat or or woman. In this one, there's not a whole, there's nothing really sexual about it per se. It's just a, it's it's a, there's a longing there. But I mean, I miss my cats when I leave, so you know, it's totally yeah. I do feel that on the face of it, there is an argument to say that it could be either. Clearly, you know, the the either way, it is, as you said, this song of longing, this song of the tenderness of longing, which transforms into the the scream of passion in the dark night of one's soul of longing. Mm-hmm. The scream of longing, not the soul of longing. It could, it could the be scream that. of longing, the scream, it transforms into the scream of longing, which erupts from the dark night of the soul in the dark. There we go. Night. Cleared. Cleared. Yeah, that's great. That's great. See, I think the cat is, is more allegory here. I don't think there, I don't think this is Ian longing for the cat. And I don't think it's, it's, well, it could be both. I think it's really just allegory here. The reason that my mind went to cat is several lines that I will pull out for examination. I will pull them out. 
by reaching back behind the couch and grabbing them with my with my longest claw. It's it's certainly that whole last stanza. I'll give you that. True. Also, in the second stanza, when phantoms tread around my bed. When phantoms tread around my bed. One can almost imagine, you know, sleeping in a hotel room far away and I'm sure you've had this experience when you've traveled. I've certainly had this experience when you've, you know, when I've been away from pets or when a pet has died where you start seeing them out of the corner of your eye Mm -hmm. and you have that twinge in your heart of like, oh yeah, it's, oh oh, yes. Your brain says, oh yeah, that's my cat. And then you're like, oh, it's not. Yeah. Or you, you, you literally feel them jump up on the bed because you're so used to feeling that. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's the one line that really led me in that direction. And then, of course, magpies mm-hmm. that shriek, old boots that leak. Magpies that shriek, old boots that leak. Those are the sort of things that cats are interested in. Coal black cats in policemen's hats. Coal black cats in policemen's hats. That's directly it. The mouse police, yeah. And then the long meows beginning now. And the long meows beginning now. The British spelling of what we would say meow. Yeah. Fun service announcement for in in America, we say the sound that cats make, we spell M-E-O-W. O-W. <laughs> Ian has spelled it M-I-A-O-W. Yeah, this is a, a very British way to do it. It's a very British way. Yeah. See, I, I think, I think that it is, I think it could be the same thing. You're so used to seeing your loved one walk to bed, walk around the bed that you, you see her. Hmm. You know, the the magpies shriek, old boots that leak, even less than good things remind me of her. The the annoying bird out the window or my my boot that's that's leaky. Oh, but I remember when she bought me those boots and I've had them that long or yes. she always picks on me when I end up with a wet sock. You know. Yes, those all a little bit read to me as symptoms of homesickness. Yeah, 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 yeah. And perhaps they read to me that way because I am experiencing symptoms of homesickness at the moment. I'm off in Santa Fe doing this opera away from my my darling wife, and I and I and so I, I can relate to that. You know that that sense of like the stupidest things. You know, you see my bottle of vitamins, and I'm like, oh, the the one that I love always reminds me to take my vitamins you <laughs> yeah know, it's, it's, it's so mundane that's exactly it it's almost laughable but ian transforms it into this level of high poetry yeah before we get to the coup de gras mm-hmm. i want to make another comparison here okay are you familiar nick and i know this is not a favorite artist of you of yours but are you familiar with the 1966 album blonde on blonde by mr bob dylan I know the name. I I couldn't tell you anything off of it. I may have heard stuff off of it, but... One of my favorite Dylan albums. I listened to it a lot when I was young and traveling in Italy. And the song Visions of Joanna Mm. has a little bit of resonance for me with this song. It is the description of being haunted by a woman, the memory of a woman, and everything reminds you. Now, could that be about a cat? Is Joanna a cat? <laughs> is Joanna a cat? I think if is... we try hard enough, anything can be a cat, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I I think that's more. I think that's more in line with what I'm feeling. This song is about. I mean, just that we haven't. We kind of skipped over that first verse, but cold plane, slow boat, warm train, 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 
all these things, an empty coffee cup skittering across the sidewalk, wafting on the breath of, of a breeze, the, a, a knot hole. Those all remind me of, of Jacqueline, especially you know? the knot hole, especially the knot hole. Well, yes. And, and then, you know, pushing a little further on. Plush hotels and pretty girls won't cheer the misty mood I'm in. Plush hotels and pretty girls won't cheer the misty mood I'm in. If we take a look at Visions of Joanna, one phrase that I always loved is the character Louise comes up several times. And in one verse, he sings, Louise, she's all right. She's just near. Mm. She's delicate and seems like the mirror. But she makes it all too concise and too clear that Joanna's not here. Louise, she's all right. She's just near. She's delicate and seems like the mirror. But she just makes it all too concise and too clear that Joanna's not here. It's comparison, yeah. And even in the situation where you are trying to drown your sorrows in a new lover, it's it just serves as a reminder that you're not with the person that you're with. Yeah, 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 exactly. So really, you know, it, it it's that hauntingness of true love, I think. I really love the poetry in this song in particular. Like he, it's, he's just his... I mean, always his word choices, but for for some reason... I assume you're speaking of Jacqueline by Ian Anderson, not Visions of Joanna by Bob Dylan. Correct. I mean, there's, uh, there, there are lines in here that really just are just so, so darkly lovely, mm. silly, sad. I've never had to write this before. A silly, sad, I never had to write. It's just so, so vulnerable to me and so sweet. Funny how long nights allow thoughts of Jacqueline. Funny how long nights allow thoughts of Jacqueline. Oh yeah, and, and really the last line... And the long meows beginning now, and I'm far, far from home, and Jacqueline. And the long meows beginning now, and I'm far, far from home, Jacqueline. The aching, the keening in his soul is can be compared to a, a cat crying out in the night. Yeah. Just so, mm, I just like this one. I like yeah. this one a lot. So, Nick, uh, it's time to reveal the ace in my hole. Oh, gross. Let me disinfect it here. If you turn in your hymnals to page 148 of the volume Silent Singing, you will see, alongside the lyrics for Jacqueline, a beautiful black and white picture, elegantly composed, where the background is some sort of a tropical plant flaring out, and then in true Fibonacci perfection, the shoulder, neck, and head of a beautiful woman is seen turning toward the lens of the camera. She has bangs. Her hair is long. She's got some very fashionable sunglasses on. She looks just absolutely stunning. The caption reads, Jacqueline. Jacqueline Shona. Note the spelling difference. Jacqueline, J-A-C-E. 
K-A-L-Y-N-N, compared to Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E, Shona, in France, circa 1994. It continues, and I think this is amazing. Taken with a little travel film camera, maybe a Tashika T4. I think she thought there was no film in the camera, since she appears relaxed and friendly. (laughs) There it is. So there we have it. And if you look up, Shona is, in fact, her middle name. Her full name is Jacqueline Shona. Wow. Okay. So jury's still out. It could still be a cat. Um, (laughs) But no, I think that that is pretty conclusive evidence that it is a... It is a song about Miss Miss Shona, the wife of our Ian Anderson. And how how privy are we to such a personal, like real in place and time song for Ian? Mm. It's always like loosely, secondary, tertiary, even. This is this is a primary song about his wife's name. Put it directly into the I Miss My Wife folder. And all from now on, all I Miss My Wife songs will be compared against this one. This is the high watermark. Can you can you take out everything that you've put in there already, Omen? I, I'm, st- I'm saving that for later. <laughs> uh, I might need those receipts. <laughs> now that we firmly established what the song is really about, I want to go back to the cat thing. Okay, sure. I want to I want to synthesize these two things because I don't think that our interpretation about it being about a cat was wrong. Okay. Even in the face of this evidence, what do we love about cats? Their aloofness. Okay. Go on. When you do get affection from a cat, mm-hmm. it's usually, it's all or nothing with a cat. So it's mm-hmm. like 100%. And it's usually mean affection. Because <laughs> we're, we're sadists. <laughs> well, it depends on the cat, I suppose. But yeah, yes, it's true. Yes, can it's true. Be. What else? What are you, what are you looking for? You know, all of that, yes. And I think there's also, you know, felines. No one would probably describe a dog as being particularly sensual. Cats are very sensual. Yes. Yeah. They're sensual creatures. They they have gorgeous fur. We like their furry coats. They rub up against things. They're independent. Sleekly, yeah. You can travel and leave your cat at home. Yeah, that's true. I guess what I'm implying here, perhaps a little bit ham-fistedly. Mmm, ham. <laughs> I was going to say, cats will be into that. Go on. Is that perhaps there's this kind of cross-pollination of thoughts between, you know, this this woman, this human woman that I miss also has these feline qualities. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of, you know, that that enriches the understanding or description of her. Even, I mean... The description of the photo is, well, yeah, she thought there was no film in the camera, so she looks calm and relaxed and happy mm-hmm. and friendly. Yeah. That sounds like a cat, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, there, there is, I mean, women and, and felines and feminine have all been been bandied about for forever since before Ian Anderson. So it's not, it's not an unheard of idea. And also, let's just say that as the Feckless Moms, we support every form of gender expression. And every form of pet expression. Feline expression. Yeah. If you identify as a dog person, that's okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I see I, I see where you're going with it, and I, I like it. I think it, it works as kind of a, a top coat. We know what's going on 
It's it's not even underneath. We know the main thread. The main coon thread. But the main coon thread. And if you take a step back, you can see it with these kind of this more opaque, like, oh, it could be a cat, kind of. Or or at least we, we're seeing this comparison in imagery. There's a drop of feline poetry in the description of his human wife. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cats. Cats. I also just very much encourage everyone to go and take a look at this photo in Silent Singing. It is it is frighteningly well composed. I mean it really it really is like a study in compositional photography. A study in Shona. It's a study in Shona. Nick, anything else to say about this song? Nothing for me. Nick, if this song was a cat, what sort of cat would it be in honor of our uh, our recent writer editor? Had to do it to him. Oh, Eldis. It would be Oh, you know what? It would be Catherine, the cat, the like 13 year old cat that we inherited from Ray's grandpa. She is sweet when she wants to be sweet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even when she's being sweet, she will poke the hell out of you. She like if she she's used to curling up in Ray's arms when she sleeps. And if Ray hasn't made room, she will just slowly go. With her claws out onto Ray's cheek, just mm-hmm. just poke, poke, poke. This is where I belong. And yeah. after that, she curls up and she's a sweetheart. But there's there's always something there underneath. Underneath the cat. Underneath the cat. I was going to say it's the cat that sleeps all day with its tummy up in the air and looks sweet. And then at 3 a.m. starts yowling on your bedpost. Yeah. For apparently no reason. And running around in the dark. song do we have the pleasure of stalking down, biting, taking the head off of, and bringing onto the front porch of our listeners proudly next week? Next week, we will examine the carcass of Mayhem Maybe. Oh, well, until next week, if your old boots leak, why not get some branded Talk Tall to Me socks that you can wear underneath those boots to keep your feet warm? I'm not sure we actually can get socks. You can get a lot on TeePublic. I'm not sure socks are an option. But just go to our TeePublic and check it out. But I, I do know what will cheer the misty mood that you and I are in, Omen. What's that? And that's a five-star rating and review. Mm, that's true. If you are far, far from home and obsessed with thoughts of Jacqueline, why not drown your thoughts in a subscription to our Patreon, where you can commune with other drifting souls in the world who love not only Jethro Tull, but all things Ian Anderson and adjacent. As well as getting access to two other podcasts each month. That's right. Consider it. Think about it. In the meantime, until next week, I am the shrieking magpie, Nick McGill. I am the slow boat, Omen Said. We are the long meow ending now, the feckless momes. And this is a sad song to play, Talk Tall to Me.
Bonsoir, Felance. Hi, Tippy Toe Mouse Slayer. How are you doing t- this evening? Oh, I'm feeling ever so elegant, and I'm feeling ever so lazy. You see how fat I've gotten. Oh, I am so impressed at the rotundity of your belly. Yes. It must get rubs all day long. Oh, they won't stop rubbing it, and by they, you know I do mean the opposable thumb tall beings. They're so stupid. They're so bad at being cats. So easy to manipulate, though. I know! Felance. Yes? Have you ever had one of those tall, hairless creatures put drops of cow liquid directly into your open mouth? No. No, I've, I've had a splash in a bowl, but directly into your waiting maw? Tippy-toe. Yes, yes. I discovered a new technique. I will pass it on to you for free, Felance. Ooh, yes. Ooh, that is very impressive. L- walk, walk like me. Oh, 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 oh! Lifting see, the paw. Yes, I feign at having an injured paw. Oh, they're so stupid. It's so stupid. It's so easily verifiable that it is not injured. In fact, it can still slay a mouse with one hit. Please tell me, Tippy Toe, have you played with the idea of not being interested in treats? Oh, go on. What devious level of psychological warfare is this, Felance? When they crinkle the bag, yes? you slowly walk in, as if you're curious, but not quite interested. Oh, interesting. And then, after they crinkle it again, you just walk away? <gasps> you just walk straight away, no treats? They will follow you to the bed, and they will feed you in bed. Oh, my great fur deity. And then you train them after a while, and then they just starting start bringing the treats to the bed. Yes, yes, yes. I've always wondered how to have more treats in bed. More treats in bed is a goal. That's how we have to train them. And of course you reward them. You rub up against their shin every now and then. There's no shame in that. No, no, one must mark them so that any other any other gorgeous feline creatures don't wean their way into their heart. Now, felance. Yes. One interesting issue that I've been having is I can never get them to turn on the jazz music, which I prefer. They're always listening to these obnoxious podcasts. Oh, tippy-toe, really? Yes, it's unbearable. I've thought about killing all of them, but, but you know, then there's the milk dropper straight into my mouth. That's right. That's right. It is. It's the fine balance of rage and tolerance. It, it really right. is. Yes. Yes. Now tell me. Tell me more about these stupid people that they listen to. Well, every time that I'm trying to enjoy a little bit of Cole Porter or perhaps a a sneaky vinyl of Rubenstein, I find that at the same time every week they take it off. They stop the gorgeous human sounds made with their silly flute bumbles, and I hear this horrible screeching coming into my very pointed ears, which sounds something like this. Oh, humans are so stupid. Yes. Let us scream. Into the darkness. Beauteous. <laughs>